Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. We are here today. We're going to kind of go over what we've been up to uh, related to hunting. And then our plan with this episode is to just give a little bit of background about why it is we hunt and why we enjoy hunting. So for my update, um, did a little habitat improvement this week. I've got a at my house, I've got like two and a half acres here and I've got, when we moved in here last summer, I've got uh, an invasive uh, common reed grass here and I forget what the scientific name is for it, but had a bunch of it. Um, you guys helped me, I, well, I had it brush hogged in the spring and then you guys helped me burn what was left of it, the remnants, um, and then I've been hitting it with glyphosate to try and get it killed. So I was reading a little bit the uh, glyphosate treatments are more effective uh, end of summer here, you know, August timeframes, early September. So hopefully, I've slowed it down, but I'm hoping this treatment will, will really get rid of it. And we just pulled my uh, my trail camera card before this episode and <clears throat> had uh, nothing on it at my house, which, I don't know, it's kind of a surprise. I got a bunch of corn out there trying to get pictures, but I guess the deer just haven't found it yet, so... What have you guys been up to? I, I have uh, been doing most of my preseason, I guess you'll call it, scouting uh, out at a farm. We have permission to hunt on out, out towards Youngstown. Out there, I've had a camera on a little patch of woods over there off the edge of a field probably for about a month now, and I've checked it two or three times, trying to give it a little time to soak and get some good pictures. Um it's promising out there. There's definitely some deer. Um, had the camera sitting over a mineral block. Like I said, got some good pictures. Um, we'll see what happens come season. Uh, the deer always seem to change their habits once their horns go antlers go hard. Um, hard horn, I don't know, antlers, horns, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, so we'll see if any, uh, any of the bucks stick around or kind of how things shake out. I also did put a camera up. Uh, behind my house, there's a little bit of property that um, I have permission to hunt on. Um, not a whole lot, but I put a camera up there. They've been doing a lot of um, excavating and kind of cleaning up the property. They're going to build some developments in. They sold a lot of it. Well, and that's um, an interesting property, too, because you live in a development, but there's a like a chunk of timber behind you. Um, but like you said, they're doing a bunch of construction there. So it's uh, definitely like urban, suburban hunting environment. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I mean, if, well, yeah, like I said, they're doing a lot of construction, excavating. They took about half of the timber down, but I did put a camera up back in the timber a little further. Um, but because of all the disruption, the deer definitely changed their patterns from years past. Um, so they haven't quite found uh, where I have my camera yet. Um, like, it's, like you had done, I also put a pile of corn out there to try and get a survey um, just to try and draw the deer in to see what there is, um, and I have not uh, received anything on that camera yet. Um, I haven't checked it probably in about a week now, um, so we'll see next time I get a chance to take a look at it. Uh, and then also I have a different farm that I've had permission to hunt on for a couple years, but actually haven't had a chance to hunt uh, just because other things that have come up, uh, family things and um, just priorities. But uh, I did get a camera out on that farm uh, just last week. Uh, so we'll see what comes of that. I'm expecting uh, good things out there. 
in the spring. I have been out there shed hunting a couple times, and there are some signs of some large deer, whether they're on that property during hunting season, we'll find out. Um, but there are deer, big deer, it looks like, coming through that property at some point and leaving some sign. So I've got high hopes for that place. I think, I don't know, I think you're going to have some good luck out there. I think there's good opportunity. There's good sign. You saw a good sign when you were out there in the early spring. Um, one thing we forgot, um, I mentioned our names in the beginning, but that's Jacob that you've been hearing. So uh, just to kind of put a name with the, the voice there. But anywho, I think that's going to be a good. I'm anxious to see what kind of pictures you get on that camera because I think there's going to be, I think there'll be some opportunity out there. Yeah, I uh, definitely am hoping um, to get some good uh, pictures out there and hopefully have a good opportunity to get out there and do a couple good sits. Uh, it has not been hunted the last couple of years to my knowledge. So I'm hoping uh, that it's been used as kind of a sanctuary and it's going to hold a lot of deer. Because you said that some of the neighbor, there is sign that the some of the neighboring properties they do hunt out there, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, actually, um, when the last time I was out there, I kind of looked, walked the perimeter, and looked at the neighboring properties, um, and there are some signs. Um, definitely stands up in the prop, neighboring properties, and um, you can see from the property lines. And the one field actually has a big shooting shed up on stilts and everything mm. but looks kind of old i don't know i wouldn't climb up in it so <laughs> i don't know if it's actively being used but at one point it looks like someone was pretty serious hunter um hunting over a field but um that about wraps up I how think. many how big is that property again how many acres is that uh the horse it's farm decent or si- the, well there's not a lot of like roughly how many how many how much huntable is out there do you Rough idea? Uh, I would say rough. I would say it's probably around 40 acres. Okay. I mean, it's nothing astronomical. Primarily, it's used... It's a decent chunk, though. Yeah, it's a decent chunk, yeah. But, I mean, we're not talking hundreds of acres or anything. Um, I think it's probably about 40 acres huntable. Depends how you define huntable. Um, 40 acres of places where you could hunt deer. The deer are obviously not going to be in all 40 acres. Uh, the primary use of the farm... Um, as I just referred to it, it's a horse farm. Um, so they, you know, grow hay, alfalfa, that kind of stuff, um, in the neighboring fields, which aren't really big draws, um, from my experience with deer. I mean, we'll see when I have the cameras out there. I haven't really. Well, and 40 acre chunks are common, right? I mean, that's Ohio. This is a Ohio podcast and 40 acre chunks. People, uh, that's what people in Ohio hunt. They're not hunting thousand acre chunks or 150. I mean, some people are, but I would venture to guess that the vast majority of people are hunting you know suburban lots or 40 acre chunks you know it's been in the family unless you're going down to wayne national forest or or one of the other areas but right right um and that's like i said that about wraps up what my uh, scouting has been that's the only cameras i've had out Um, i did clean up a couple of the stands existing stands we have out at the farm out towards youngstown they um, allow us to kind of keep some stands and stuff out there. Um, and I cleaned some of those up, cut the briars and stuff down to try and make a little better access in there. Uh, just so when it comes time to get in the stands, it'll be a little easier to approach the stands and not have to worry about poison ivy growing up the tree and all that yeah. stuff. So, uh, so the next voice you're going to hear, this is Jeff. Um, he's the youngest brother. Uh, and I know you said you've been hanging some stands and stuff out at your place. 
Yep, yep. Uh, shout out to my wife, actually. She helped me uh, hang a uh, ladder stand. Um, we got it up. Uh, it's an area I've been hunting um, before, um, but I was hunting out of ground blind. Uh, I've now put up a two-man tree stand. I was going to ask stand. you if that was a double wide because it looked yeah. like it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, That'd yeah. Nice. I, went, I went with the two-man because um, I'm taller and uh, a lot of other ladder stands don't give me enough room for my legs. So I was hoping that a two-man might help me stretch out a little bit more and keep my legs from falling asleep so I can, you know, have a lot, little less movement in, this, in the trees, you know. Um, so you ought I, to put a, like a, like a lazy boy up there or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's, <laughs> that's my next step. Um, but I, I pulled, pulled the trail camera there. Um, I don't have any bait out other than a uh, salt block there. And I got, uh, photos of, uh, one small buck. And then, uh, I have, uh, a doe and her twin fawns that, uh, are frequenting the area coming through. Um, just about every day. Um, the other big, uh, well, not really big, but the other uh, thing related to hunting is uh, I got skunked on, uh, both me and my wife got skunked on our Ohio hunting lotteries. Um, we didn't get drawn for any of the controlled hunts. Uh, Jacob, I don't believe you got drawn for any as well. Is that correct? Uh, that would be correct. This is two years in a row I've put in. Um, I only put in for the ones that are reasonably close to where I live, so that kind of limits it. But I have applied for two separate, uh, well, actually last year, three hunts. This year I've cut it down to two. Uh, it's just what happens when your family gets bigger, less time to hunt. Um, so I got skunked again, though, so hopefully our time's coming. But there's like nine more or something that they, and well, I, I guess they have them every year. The, like the nature preserve type hunts that I, I sent you guys a text. I actually posted about it on our Facebook page. So if you guys uh, go to our Facebook page there, we're going to be posting stuff like that opportunities and uh, you know, topics on, on hunting in Ohio. Those are a little different in that you've got to be at the meeting to, to be in the drawing. Right. So there aren't many that are close to us, but if that's, you know, if there's one in your guys' area, that's definitely something, uh, you know, a hunting opportunity. Um, it's a lottery draw, but you got to be at the meeting. And they're coming up here in September, early through mid-September, I think, before before hunting season opens up. So uh, you can go to our Facebook page and get more information on those. Right, and I would definitely uh, suggest if you do take a look and figure out where those are located, um, I'd probably suggest applying for those or going to those meetings because I'm guessing the fact that you need to be at the meeting. Uh, I don't have any experience with this personally, but the fact that they limit it to people that are there, I'm sure your odds are going to be much higher than the online application uh, drawing odds to get one of the online hunts that are, um, you can, you know, just purchase right through the licensing website. The fact that you have to actually be there on site, I'm sure greatly limits the applications. Yeah. It's definitely, a, I would say, a barrier to entry, right? You're not going to have somebody drive from Cincinnati clear up to Youngstown or something for a, or that area um, <clears throat> to sit in a meeting and, and maybe get drawn for a hunt, right? It, it's going to keep it more local. And so, like you said, I think that you're going to have better opportunities. I know the one I looked into that's kind of close to us um, you would get assigned like a two week period. So, you know, there's a, you know, I guess divide the season up into two week periods. That's how many names are going to draw. 
and uh, you were allowed to bring one other person with you. Uh, it was a pretty small chunk, like the, what, 30 or 40 acres or yeah, something. Yeah, archery only hunt. Archery only hunt, that's right. Um, and it would have been, uh, we're kind of thinking, we haven't done it yet, but we were kind of thinking that early season would have been good, you know, but by the time you get to the end of the season, with guys coming in and out of there every two weeks, you know, there's a good chance everything's pretty well blown out at that point. But it's still a good opportunity. Um, I think the lottery entries were five bucks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, five bucks uh, for the for you know, the in person ones. Uh, the ones that were online were only three dollars to enter the lottery. Okay. Um, there's also <laughs> another uh, online lottery un- unique hunting opportunity that's available until um, the end of August. Um, they are having an online lot- lottery to hunt quail in Gallia County at a wildlife area there. Mm. Um, so if you're interested in that, that's a unique hunting opportunity, especially for people in Ohio. Um, there's very little bobwhite quail. Um, so they that is still available to the end of August. Um, they have a hunt for uh, just anyone can apply. They have a woman-specific hunt. And they also have a mobility impaired hunt that you can apply for. Ah. So if any of those apply to you um, and you're interested in uh, hunting some quail, I'd recommend applying for those because uh, it's a little bit later. You know, it wasn't with all the other controlled hunt applications. They announced it a little later. Um, I don't think a lot of people know about it. And that's in Gallia County, Ohio. That's definitely a good opportunity. So I think that sort of wraps up our, uh, our kind of weekly update on what we've been up to. So like I said at the beginning, we're, what we kind of wanted to do is just talk a little bit about why we hunt. Um, we grew up hunting. Our dad hunted. Um, so we grew up hunting with our dad. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on that. Um, you know, like I said, we grew up hunting. I remember dad would... Uh, leave there after thanksgiving for gun season he didn't he didn't i don't remember him doing much bow hunting um but he would leave there after thanksgiving for the week of gun season you know shotgun week back then it was shotgun only um and when we got old enough you know he started uh taking us along and it's just become a big part of i think all three of our lives and so for me it's it's uh I just really enjoy being outdoors. Um, it kind of grounds me. Uh, where we we do have a hunting cabin in Southern Ohio. Um, they're you know outside of Marietta, Wayne National Forest area, um, and just getting out there. You're out of cell service. It it's uh, I don't know. Just kind of grounds me. The other thing that I that I really enjoy is like the super healthy food that you get from it. <clears throat> I know now that I've got her daughter you know you, you at least for me you, you think more about what you're bringing into your house to consume what you're putting in your body what you're putting in your kid's body um and so the venison is great we uh we eat a lot of it my my uh my wife wasn't too keen on venison when we when we first got together uh but since then you know we've uh she enjoys it we eat a lot of venison and uh I don't know, do you guys have any? Yeah, not just the venison, but, you know, the wild turkey, the rabbits, the squirrel, you know, all of it. Um, and another thing is, you know, on the food aspect is 
I have grown up eating venison and I prefer it now. And I struggle to cook with beef, you know, because basically every recipe I cooked with, you know, when I was learning to cook was venison Mm -hmm. in place of beef. So even something as simple as making hamburger helper, you know, where if you brown up some venison, there's very little fat in the bottom of the the skillet. You do that with beef and there's a lot of liquid fat in there. And just, you know, do I, do I keep this in here? Do I drain it? You know, what do I do? You know, so it's just something that I, I prefer the venison. Right. And so that's a, big part of you know the yeah. food aspect of it that's a good point too I, I um got my first turkey this spring so that was pretty exciting uh it was actually with my dad so that was kind of a special uh special moment i'm a yeah. you know grown man at this point but i got my first turkey with my dad and so that was that was cool yeah and i actually shot my first tom uh with my dad the very next day uh, Jason was hunting with him one day, got a turkey the very next day. Uh, my dad was hunting with me and was calling for me. And uh, I've hunted the same ridgetop three years in a row because there's toms up there. And they've always found some way to outsmart me. <laughs> I went up with my dad one time and he called them in like they were on a string. He they was came a turkey right whisperer us. that weekend. Yeah, he was... He was on fire. Dad, when you listen to this podcast, just remember, you are the reason <laughs> that they got their time. Yeah. Uh, I uh, did not get an opportunity to go turkey hunting uh, with them this spring, uh, just from work and family and that kind of stuff. I just didn't have the t- opportunity to get out. Uh, but I certainly was regretting that uh, decision, not that it was much of a decision. I re- just couldn't get out, but... Um, I was regretting not being able to go when I got the phone call on the way home uh, from the cabin, and they're all telling me how my dad had all the turkey on a string. He was calling them in for everyone. Uh, but it's always next year. Um, that's always. Uh, but for me, I'll just kind of piggyback on what they said too. Uh, food is a huge part. Uh, the I eat venison. My wife uh, never ate venison until she met me. Um, so we. Yeah, she didn't grow up in a hunting family. My my wife grew up in a hunting family, but they surprisingly didn't really care for venison. And um, so when we got married, you know, she wasn't a big venison eater. But yeah, I uh, with venison, as anyone who's cooked venison knows, um, how you cook it makes a huge difference. Yeah, uh, how you well also, and we'll kind of get into this in future podcasts. But um, how you treat the meat um, from the time of harvest to time of cooking it also makes a big difference yeah medicine. field care field care makes a huge difference uh, because it does not have uh, the fat that other meats have um, the fat you know it's just a super lean meat uh, cooked totally different uh, you put a venison steak on the grill and you can't cook it much more than a couple minutes on each side or else it's going to be like chewing a Goodyear tire, <laughs> uh, which is something you learn the hard way when you're just starting out if you're used to cooking beef. But uh, there's certainly different, you know, as Jeff was talking about, it's totally different cooking with venison. Uh, I just tried to cook some beef steaks the other day, and I started a big fire in my grill because I'm just not used to the, <laughs> the fat. You know, I'm just not used to it. The, I'm used to cooking venison on there, and there's just little to no fat, so I don't have to worry about the running, you know, running down into the grill. 
and I put a couple stakes on there, put some foil down, and I didn't uh, take into account that there's going to be a big puddle of grease on that foil. So I started a fire. I had to quickly remediate that problem. But um, Do you grill with a spray bottle nearby? I do not. Because um, you cook venison. I cook you venison. Don't need it. I don't need it. Um, no, I was kind of up a crick when that uh, kind of took off. Luckily, I mean, my grill's outside. Luckily, I don't cook it within my garage or anything. But um, the uh, reason it, I ask is just my, I had my brother in law over and he was, uh, I forget exactly the circumstances, but it had a flare up and he's like, Where's your spray bottle? And I was like, I don't have one. And, so I wasn't sure if that was a thing that everybody knew that I didn't or... <laughs> yeah, I'd never, I've never heard of that. I'm not the best uh, griller. I'm not the master of the grill, but yeah. that's that's something new to me. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, so food. Um, and then also, like Jason said, just being outdoors. Um, it's just peaceful. Uh, it's grounding, uh, being off the grid. We live in a society today where... Uh, it's just you're so connected to everything and 24-7 news cycle and it's just really nice to be able to just get away from it um, I know not everybody obviously when they're hunting is out of cell service um, because in today's world of cell service just about everywhere uh, but it is nice just to be able to get away um, kind of just sit out and listen to the world wake up it's just there's something about it uh, that's very peaceful um, well, and even if you're not out of you. cell service, you know, it's like just being out there, you're, you're just in nature and you're not on your phone, you know, like even if you can be, if you're hunting, if you're really hunting, right, you're, you're just watching the woods around you. <clears throat> I know, um, you know, it's just like you said that like the woods waking up, that's something that people that don't hunt don't experience. If you, you know, if you ever think about that, right, that why else would you be out in the woods before sunup? And, you know, you, cause I've told people at work that don't hunt about that, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I never, you know, it's, but it's some, there's something there, right? The woods sort of wake up. Yeah. Right? It's a very unique experience. Yeah. And it's, you know, cause before sunup, most of the time the woods are, they're dead quiet. Yeah. And as soon as that sun starts peaking, you know, the birds are up and, you know, maybe you'll see a raccoon going back to right. its den or, you know, the the woods start to make noise, you yeah. know. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's a, it's, I don't really have a better way to put it. So, I mean, it's a magical experience mm -hmm. to just witness it all kind of unfold. Uh, we get so tied up in our technology-driven world. Uh, it's just, it's really special to just take some time and, you know, be out in nature as it was created um, just observing even, even if you're not hunting, just to sit out there and just let the world kind of, or the work, you know, the wildlife just come to life around you and all the different things you hear and see. And, um, there's just so many different things that we just blow by, um, you know, at 70 miles an hour on the highway. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just nature is such an amazing, incredible place. Uh, it's just, it's a shame to me. Um, that more people don't get the opportunity to experience it. Well, and it's, there's something different about being in the woods hunting than just like being in nature, right? Being in nature is good, but like when you're participating, you're a participating member of nature, right? Like you are a life cycle, right? Yes, exactly. You're out there and you're a predator, right? And so when you're participating, it's 
different than just being in the park or something in a, in a deer, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park or something and a deer runs by or something like that's cool. And it's great to see, but like when you're out there hunting and you're participating in that, like you said, that life cycle, it's different. There's something different about it. And I don't know how to put words to that, but it's different. I don't know if you guys feel that or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a different experience knowing, um, like you said, you're out there as a predator in a sense for whatever species you're trying to harvest that day. Um, and it's just amazing the, you know, you're in tune to things, you know, you just don't, like you said, even if you're out, I guess you're out in the parks and you're going for a hike. Um, you may see a deer run by or, you know, squirrels running around, but when you're actually seeking those squirrels, it's a totally different experience, um, mm-hmm. to know, you know, like, cause you just got to pay closer attention to details of, you know, you can stumble into squirrels. That's one thing. Um, but when you're actually out there trying to hunt squirrel, uh, it's a different experience cause you have to, you know, dial in to right know where the squirrels right. are going to be, why they're going to be there and, and, or hope that you know what squirrels are going to be. <laughs> and also, I firmly believe that <clears throat> squirrels are smart. They know when a human is threatening, and they know when a human is non-threatening. So a lot of times, when you're squirrel hunting, you have to act like a non-threatening human. You can't act like a threatening human. Like You, you can't act like Elmer Fudd, you know, you're going squirrel hunting, because they pick up on that. They do. I would... I. I wonder if there's studies on that because I've, I see the same thing, right? Like you're out there hunting and you're like, I can't find a freaking squirrel or I can't find a deer. And then, you know, you're just like, Oh, I'm going to stomp through the woods and you're like, Oh, there's squirrels everywhere, you know? And it's like, there's during deer season, you have squirrels trying to run up your leg. Yeah. And if you're out there trying to squirrel hunt, can't find one in the woods. Right. Right. I'd be interested on studies on that. I don't know. But, uh, I guess the other thing that is sort of special about hunting is, like we said, we grew up hunting with our dad, and it's because us three brothers um, grew up hunting together, it's a great opportunity to get to spend time with our family, you know? I mean, um, now that I've got a daughter, she's only two now, but uh, I hope someday she's uh, she's interested in hunting. Like, that would be a super special thing for, for me to have as a, as a dad, you know, my my daughter grows up and hunts. Um, right now she likes, we've got our binoculars and, um, past couple nights, you know, in the evening, we, we've got a field behind our house and we, we get our binoculars out and try to see deer and she looks through her binoculars backwards, <laughs> but, uh, it's fun, you know, spending time with her doing that kind of stuff. So hopefully there's, there's more of that to come as, as she grows. Yeah. Um, kind of on that same, you know, family and, how special it is to spend the time with family and share all that with family. Uh, That kind of leads me into another thought I had. Um, I mean, a big part of why I hunt, especially when I'm deer hunting, you know, I've been a quote unquote lifelong shotgun hunter um, or, you know, gun hunter for deer. Um, Since we started, that's how we started um, hunting big game, so to speak in Ohio, I guess is deer is big game. Um, we were always, you know, gun week was the big week. Um, and now in, as an adult, I've gotten into a little more bow hunting and that kind of stuff. 
Um, but there's just something special about deer camp and gun mm-hmm. week. Um, and it's not, you know, where, where our cabin is down in Southern Ohio, we are not talking about Boone and Crockett quality bucks. Um, that is not what there is down there. They're just not there. There's too much hunting pressure. Yeah. The um, culture in that area is brown. It's down. That's what right. we grew up, you know, right. brown it's down. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you, you know, we do, I mean, it's, there's deer drives and if you let the deer buy, you're not invited back. I mean, it's <laughs> right. everyone's down there to get their next meal. Um, so, but every year, I mean, without fail, I do whatever I can to be at the cabin for gun week. Um, at least as much as I can with work and family, um, I get at least half the week, you know, I'm, I'm down there and it's not because of the great hunting necessarily, you know, it's the camaraderie, it's the deer camp, it's the family. It's, uh, it's just, you know, it's special to be able to share that, um, just with people that are important to you. Yeah. And there's not, I mean, this is going to sound counter, counter contradictory because I have a daughter, but, uh, uh, you know, it's like guys being guys, you know, and, um, that'll be a hurdle we'll have to cross as my, you know, daughter kind of comes of hunting age and, and, you know, how we handle that, but it's a good opportunity for us guys to be guys. You know, there's not a lot of opportunity for that anymore, I guess. Um, but yeah. And not saying that, you know, women aren't welcome in the outdoors, um, or anything like that. Um, my wife grew up in a hunting family, um, but her dad died when she was young, and her brother, um, who was quite a bit older, he, he did hunt, but she was a girl, so she didn't get invited along. Um, but she, now that we're together, you know, she wanted to spend more time with me, and I wanted to share the outdoors with her, so I've got her into hunting. Um, she got her first deer last year, and, you know, she's learning and it's, so it's not that, that women aren't welcome in the outdoors, but there is something just about deer camp being guys being guys. Yeah. I, I, I hope it didn't come across that I, I don't think women are welcome. Cause like I said, I have a daughter and you know, they'll, I don't know what we're going to do when, you know, Jake, you got a daughter, like when, and if they're into hunting and you know, I don't know what we're going to do about the cabin. Cause right now it's, it's not really, uh. You know, it's just yeah, guys. It's, There's a lot of guy talk and stuff that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want my daughter exposed to. Um, right. Yeah, it's certainly not at this stage of our cabin is not welcoming to women, and that's just a lot of different things. I mean, that's not just the conversation, um, but that's, I mean, it's also no running water, so we're talking outhouse. And, yeah. Um, being Smells a, of cigar smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's some things, um, as the cabin transitions from our dad's generation who started it, I mean, him and his three buddies, they built the cabin with their own hands. They're I mean, the they, godfathers. Right. Yeah. The godfathers of the cabin, um, as they kind of age, uh, they're not hunting as much. Um, I mean, our dad, uh, and his, uh, one best friend still do actively hunt. Um, they're still they're the younger of the two, um, and they're healthy enough to still do it. Um, but two of the other guys don't get down as much, uh, for health reasons, age, you know, just kind of what happens, unfortunately. But, um, as we transition to the new era, so to speak, um, that's some of the 
bridges, I guess, we'll have to cross. Because um, like Jason said, I do have a daughter um, very close in age to mm-hmm. uh, Jason's daughter. So um, they're going to grow up together. Hopefully they're going to fall in love with hunting, you know, together. Um, and we'll just be, we'll be able to share that uh, as we raise our kids, um, the, just sharing the outdoors and, you know, Lord willing, they have the same passion and love for the outdoors that we have, even if that doesn't present necessarily as, you know, being, as my wife would put it, obsessed with hunting. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, she tells me that come the fall, she should just put antlers on her head, so I pay attention to her. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. But, um, you know, it's, there's plenty of opportunity in the outdoors obviously this is hunting specific i mean but even if they don't become as obsessed as we are just being able to share the experience with them um you know at this point my daughter you know she likes looking for the deer she likes she does the same thing you were saying that your daughter does with the binoculars <laughs> i don't know what it is about kids they always know. put them up backwards yeah they like um, looking through the big end i guess yeah, i don't know i don't know but she does the exact same thing she looks out there and she tells me all the deer she sees and there's not a single deer out there <laughs> I, does that too right i just tell her oh yeah i see it yep i see it out there is it a boy or a girl and she tells me if it's a boy or a girl and there's no deer but it's just you know trying to instill that you know that the deer and anytime i go out to check the trail cameras my daughter wants to come with me um i've taken her a couple times but it's one of those things that it's more of a burden to have her because that's one thing i didn't take into account uh when you have a tiny human um next to you everything that you just kind of walk through and kick through hits them directly in the face (laughs) so um that's kind of something i've had to uh work through you know i'm just like oh just step over this log and she's like well dad that's at my head yeah (laughs) you know so it's just been a transition or you know something a learning curve so to speak but um you know i i just hope that you know i and you know my son he was just born end of last year um, so he's still just a baby, but even that, you know, I mean, it's just trying to raise them right and put the love of the outdoors in them. Um, just because it's unfortunately, uh, the people who seem to have the love and passion for the outdoors seem to be getting, it's an older generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important that we continue the heritage, you know, the hunting heritage is really important to me also. Um, and just sharing that with other people, because there's just so many people, you know, our age, I'm, you know, in my early thirties and it's just a lot of my friends just have no exposure to hunting just because their dads didn't hunt or, you know, it's their, maybe their grandpa, everyone, it's usually their grandpa hunted, but their grandpa's not around. Their grandpa didn't teach their dad. So then their dad didn't teach them. Um, so it's just, I think adult onset hunting is very important. There's a lot of people, especially with the food aspect. Um, a lot of people that are, you know, looking for that healthy choice, um, you know, and they spend an exorbitant amount of money at the grocery store to get, you know, the all natural stuff at the grocery store, the, you know, preservative free, no antibiotics and that kind of stuff. And it's right outside their window. Just go out in the woods and get get it. it, Right. Got to go get it. Um, so it's just kind of trying to spread that information. Um, I know our audience is probably going to be mostly people that are already into hunting. Um, but I guess part of why I do what I do is, um, to try and share that with non-hunters, um, just to get more people in the game. I know a lot of people are of the mindset of, you know, 
and I'm included in this, you don't want a bunch of people on your land or, you know, if you're a public land hunter, which um, a lot of the land we hunt down by our cabin is public land. Yeah, um, you don't want a guy walking forest. up on you. Right, you don't want a guy walking up on you. But at the end of the day, um, those license sales, those tag sales, um, digging deeper into the weeds, I mean, all the gear they pick up, you know, there's right. taxes on that. That all goes right back into the system to support the wildlife. Um, you know, and we're unfortunately losing numbers every year. Um, and everybody thinks that we need less hunters and more deer as a deer hunter, of course. <laughs> um, but we do need to get more people involved, uh, just because unfortunately before we know it, we are, we already are the minority and we're going to continue to become more and more of minority until our voice is not going to matter. Um, and yeah. I, I fear for that day. Yeah. And hunting participation numbers going down is a very large issue for conservation as a whole because that's where the money the majority of the money is coming for from for conservation you know the bird watchers and the people enjoying the parks and the hikers you know they they're not putting as much money into you know conservation because there isn't you know you don't need to buy a license to hunt or to hike you don't need to buy a license to be a bird watcher right you know so it's a big issue for conservation having less hunters. Yeah. And do you know, like, I've not looked into Pittman-Robertson. Do you know, like, for bird watchers, the thing I just thought is, like, they, they might be buying binoculars. Do binoculars fall under the tax for Pittman-Robertson, or is it I'm unsure. Firearms? I'm yeah. unsure. Because, and I've, I've heard uh, contradicting stories on ammo as well. I've heard that if you buy specific target ammo that it doesn't oh. have it. And then I've also heard that it's all ammo. Okay. So that's another uh, thing that I really wanted to look into yeah. to find out because I've heard both ways. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. The other thing, Jake, the other thing you said, you know, about um, non-hunters, you know, got me thinking, even just getting non, like they don't, people, not everybody has to be a hunter. Not everybody should be a hunter. But getting non-hunters to sort of understand hunting and like, it's not a cruel and malicious thing. Like, you know, we, I don't want to speak for you guys, but like, I love wildlife and I love deer. And, you know, the fact that I kill deer, um, it's not because I hate deer. Uh, it's, it's not that at all. And, and so just getting the non hunting public to understand and be accepting of hunting. Um, you know, I try to bring it up at work in a, in a good light and, and kind of expose those people that don't hunt. Now there are a fair, fair number of people at my, in my department at work actually that, that hunt or, or, um, came from hunting families. So they, they do understand it, but, um, getting that non-hunting public to understand hunting and that it's not, you know, we're just going out and shooting willy nilly, killing everything. Like it's very regulated. There's tags there's seasons you know I mean, some people don't even understand that there's seasons on stuff you know it's like you no, you can't shoot that this time of year it's against the law you know and they people don't understand that and growing up in a hunting family we take all that for granted um but when you get out into the rest of the world and you you know you work in cleveland or something and they're like they just don't they've not been exposed to it they don't know and so just talking to people um i think is helpful yeah, a few weeks back, I uh, saw on a uh, hunting forum someone saying, I'm interested in getting into hunting. I live in Ohio, and 
I want to know if using this sort of trap, it was a live catch trap, you know, is legal to do in Ohio. And, you know, everyone's answer was absolutely not. And, but he didn't know, you know, he just, he, he wasn't trying. He was talking about deer hunting? Or? Yeah, he was talking about deer hunting. Oh, really? And asking, I'm interested in deer hunting for, for meat purposes and is using this sort of trap legal, you know, and do you know where I could buy one? And, you know, everyone's answer was, no, you can't use yeah. that. But he he had no clue. Right. You know, he was brand new to hunting and he was interested in the the food aspect. Right. He wanted to get, you know, organic, clean meat for his family. Yeah. You know, so just how much the non-hunter doesn't know sometimes seems very strange to us. You know, sometimes you got to really start with the basics yeah. of what it is yeah and you, and us as hunters us as the hunting population we got to be very understanding with those people like you can't be like you idiot you know you, you they just don't know they're not dumb they've just never been taught and if we're malicious with those people like it just it puts a bad taste in their mouth from day one with hunters you know then they categorize all hunters as just mean angry people and that's far from the case all the hunters i know are nice people they're great people but right uh, right and i mean kind of piggybacking on that same thought i mean those people vote you yeah know, and at the end of the day that's right. they're part of the majority of non-hunters we're the minority um and we need to treat everyone with at this stage you know with the reducing or decreasing numbers we just need to treat everyone with respect um respect their opinions uh, because they vote, and like you said, it takes one bad experience, and now every hunter is a cold-blooded killer, or you know, mm-hmm. is a real jerk, and doesn't you know put up with nonsense or st- what we would consider stupid questions or whatever. Um, and kind of to go back, loop back a little bit, like you said, with you know, educating the non-hunting public um, that we're not cold-blooded killers, so to speak. You know, I mean, we you will not find people who respect and appreciate deer more than a deer hunter. Yeah. Um, I mean, the countless hours that deer hunters put in for habitat improvement, you know, and just, yes, they're doing all of that with the intent of harvesting a deer, but we don't come anywhere near harvesting all of the deer that we're benefiting by improving the habitat they live in. Right. Um, so it's just that kind of stuff. And then, you know, those animals are living their best life, so to speak, to use a common term, I guess, um, up until the point that they are harvested by a hunter. Uh, and if you're, you know, a good hunter, that animal is unaware of your presence. Uh, they don't even know you're there until the point that they are harvested. So they're living a perfect life in the wild, free to do what they want uh, versus, you know, livestock, so to speak, that everybody consumes in this country. Um, you know, those cows are treated very well. I'm not saying they're not, um, but they're not free. They're not, you know, free roaming. They're fed different antibiotics and there's just a lot of impurity. Um, so it's just funny how people who are so against hunting, um, because we're, you know, just out there to kill the pretty deer, but then they don't have any problem eating or consuming, a cow Mm -hmm. um, or a pig or, you know, 
chickens or whatever. Well, and they've uh, got to medicate those animals to keep them healthy because they're living in such close quarters and everything. Right. You know. Right. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of goes back. Like, as hunters, we, I don't want to say we love wildlife more than non-hunters because, you know, there's different levels of care for different things. But uh, we, you know, we're not out there just to kill animals. Um, speaking, you know, for myself, I can't speak for every hunter, but I'm out there to feed my family. Um, I do enjoy my time out there. I enjoy, like I said before, you know, just being outdoors and spending time with my family. Um, but at the end of the day, the reason that I hunt is because that's how I feed my family. Um, you know, we primarily eat a venison based diet. We do eat a little bit of beef here and there. My wife hasn't quite converted totally to (laughs) venison. Uh, she likes a good beef steak once in a while. Um, so do I, (laughs) but, um, the primary reason that I do it is it's a healthy, clean, cost-effective option, um, to feed my family. Um, and I also enjoy the process. I'm not going to say I don't, I mean, I enjoy hunting. I enjoy harvesting the animal. I enjoy the processing of the meat. I mean, every step along the way, um, which we can get into different details of all that in the future episodes, but, um, you know, we're not out there just to kill deer to kill deer. We don't pile them up and let them rot by any means. I mean, yeah. I have never harvested a deer that I did not eat every beat, every piece that we could get off the animal. Yep. I mean, obviously there's some meat loss from the process of harvesting the deer, but, um, I mean, and that I, I refer to deer cause primarily I do most of my hunting is deer hunting. This podcast is not deer hunting specific. Um, but you know, any animal we harvest, we're consuming, um, as food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I don't, again, I can't speak for every hunter. Um, there are, I know there's programs out there though, for people that don't prefer venison, uh, but still want to be hunters. There's lots of programs out there to donate, uh, your harvest, um, to feed hungry, you know, different feed the hungry people around the communities. I want to do that one time, but I've never like, I got to fill my freezer first. And so I've never had enough like time in the woods to get another one to donate. But I'd love to do that sometime. Yeah, yeah. Those programs do a lot of good. But, you know, for someone who eats primarily a venison-based diet, it's hard to have enough deer, you know, in your freezer. Yeah. So. Well, is there any, uh, I I mean, we've talked a lot about why we hunt. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up? One thing I wanted to touch on in the heritage part of it was we hunt on a piece of property that our grandfather hunted when he was our age and even younger. And Jason, you and I one time were out there hunting and saw where him and his friends had carved into a tree. Yeah. And that's really cool to me. That's really special. Yeah. You know, hunting somewhere where my grandfather hunted Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully someday my kids will hunt there. Yeah. You know, that's, there's just something really special about that. Yeah. Yeah, there is. You, you you know, you start thinking about the next generation and and passing down legacies and that heritage and things that maybe didn't have a ton of meaning before start to have meaning and like, you know, passing down your first shotgun sort of thing like that. When you're a kid growing up hunting, like, you know, we said we did, we, you know, you don't think about that. But then as you get older, you know, you're you're thinking about passing those kind of things down and it, 
I don't know. There's something special about that. Yeah, and Jake and I may have a little bit of a fight, you know, in the future because both Jake and I harvested our first deer with the same gun, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Dad, you were the first one. He went out and bought you your own gun. (laughs) But me and Jacob just had to do... You, you know what go, was left. Yeah, we got what was left. <laughs> you harvested your first deer with that 20, 22 over under? Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. the deer. It's going to oh, be a battle. Oh, man. It's going to be a battle. A harvest Who's yeah. dad going to will it to? <laughs> yeah, old 22, 20, 22, 20-gauge 20 shotgun with a 22 over under. Yep, that was the, uh, I harvested my first three deer. Um, was it 22 mag or 22? It's 22 mag. 22 mag. 22 mag. 20 gauge. Under with 20 yeah. gauge yeah yeah and when i got it the rear sight elevator was uh missing okay. so uh we stuffed some sort of uh paper or something <laughs> under there to raise the sight to the correct level um i don't know if you you're the one that lost that jake or it where has, that went it had a scope on it when i used it so I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know anything about the iron sights on it. It had a scope on it when I was using it. Uh-huh. So it was tack driver, man. I was mowing them down. <laughs> 13 years old. I thought hunting was easy. My first season. <laughs> I uh, My first season I went deer hunting. I ended up, I think I was 13. I went down and I, I harvested three deer, um, which is, I mean, I haven't done that since. Down yeah. at the cabin. You know, three deer and... It was one day, wasn't it? One day, yeah. As soon as I got one, processed it, took care of it, because we bought two tags initially. Um, took care of it, went back on stand, harvested another one, went home, had lunch, and went back in the evening, bought another tag, went back in the evening, and yeah. Three deer from the same stand, same tree. <laughs> there was a lot more deer down there back then, I, I yeah. think. I mean, yeah. you heard a lot more shooting down there back when we were kids than you do now. Yeah. But... That was I mean, always the uh, sign of the beginning of gun season, man. Yeah. It was sitting out there, and it's like, is it light enough to shoot yet? Well, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, it would just unleash. Boom. Yeah. yeah. It's like World War Three going on. <laughs> Hunting is, has evolved in Ohio because, I mean, it used to be all deer hunters were gun hunters. Right. You know, and deer harvest with guns way outnumbered your archery hunters. And just a few years back, maybe two, three years back, was the first year that archery hunters actually overtook gun hunters oh, really? in number of in deer harvest harvested. Numbers? You know, so it, it, it is going in a different direction now. And yeah. archery hunting is becoming more popular and gun hunting's going down. The nice thing about archery is you get to spend a lot more time in the woods, you mm-hmm. know, even much longer season. But all right, well, uh, I think that's a pretty good episode. We talked about why we why we hunt covered a lot of good stuff there so you can find us on facebook at ohio huntsman we're on instagram as ohio huntsman podcast we're going to post updates interesting articles relating to ohio and uh if you subscribe to the podcast you'll you know you'll get updates on new episodes we're going to try to drop one a week so thanks for listening